This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. My name is Kate Copsey, and I am the host of the show. You can contact me from my webpage, katecopsey.com, or through the America's Web Radio station site. This morning, we are welcoming back Chelsea Fields, the Vegetable Production Manager for the Atley Burpee Company. Good morning, Chelsea. Good morning, Kate. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're more than welcome. Um, and I know that Burpee is um, a well-known and an old company. So perhaps you could give us just a brief history of the company and how you got started with it. Sure. Well, um, you know, Burpee is going on our 136th year in operation. Uh, it's one of the oldest seed houses in America and was started by an 18-year-old seedsman named W. Atley Burpee, who was originally interested in breeding farm animals. And he was noticing that a lot of the varieties in his neighbor's gardens were coming from overseas, you know, from a lot of homelands um, in uh, England and Germany and Hungary and kind of all these areas that aren't necessarily adapted for growing in the United States. So he recognized this need to select varieties that were really best for our growing conditions and, you know, borrowed some startup money from his parents, which was $1,000 back in the day. And fast forward 136 years and the company is still thriving on innovation. Yes. And, you know, I know you have um, obviously lots of new things this year, um, but uh, the Cook's Garden catalog, um, how does, which is one of the ones that, that you also um, have, um, how does that differ from the, the vegetables that are in the Burpee catalog, the general catalog? Sure. Well, the Cook's catalog is what I like to think of as kind of a specialty culinary catalog. Uh, it's lovingly referred to as the catalog for gardeners who like to cook and cooks who like to garden, meaning that you're going to find a lot of specialty uh, colored varieties, like there's a purple pea on the cover this year. There's a lot of um, drying peppers. There's a whole herb program that has almost 60 varieties of unique herbs in there. So it really all has culinary application. And, you know, I know the ones in the general catalog, they seem to overlap just a little um, with that, that one. Um, but that the, I guess the, uh, the Cook's catalog has the majority of the, the new ve- veggies. And I know there is sort of obviously some o- overlap. Um, but, uh, you know, you grow all these in um, Pennsylvania, the eastern part of Pennsylvania, where you've got the farm. Um, do you try and test them in other areas as well? Yes, we do, absolutely. Um, We have a couple other farms that we work with across the nation um, because, you know, we're a national company, so we like to make sure that our varieties can work for uh, kind of gardeners everywhere. And so whereabouts are the other locations? So we rotate kind of every year, but um, our standbys are um, Illinois, 
uh, California, Texas, and Florida. Oh wow! So you do go well south. Wonderful.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and do you, do you get to go visit those sometimes? I do. Yeah, it's a big part of kind of what I do here to make sure that the quality is tried and true across the nation, and then、um, yield, flavor, kind of all of those things that are important to the home gardener to make sure that they're.、Um, Trialing consistency at、uh, consistently at each of those locations. So, so these are the the same varieties then、um, that you try try and get into all the gardens, rather than some for southern gardens and some for drought in California. Then, right, absolutely. And there's always going to be things that have their special applications. I think you know,、um, more of a bolt tolerant lettuce, for instance, or. Um, a pumpkin that has shorter days to maturity, so it could go into more northern regions. But we just want to make sure that generally anybody across the country could pick up any variety and have some success with it. And I think that's kind of a wonderful idea to have, you know, think, things that are, are so stable、um, that almost any gardener, from beginner to advanced, is going to be successful with them.、Um, but I, I've noticed that there's still quite a lot of heirloom veggies in the catalogue. Are heirlooms still as,、uh, very popular? Are they still growing in in、uh, the marketplace, or or what? Well, I think. You know the biggest benefit of heirlooms is the flavor and the diversity in color and texture. I mean, the the flavor that's so tried and true. You know, some heirlooms are two hundred years old and they're still performing well in the garden. So they are still popular.、Um, they're recognizable names that kind of、uh, have a history of their own from generation of gardener to generation of gardener. And there's so many more out there that remain. Uh, undiscovered or you know unknown to large of the part、uh, the larger part of the gardening public that there's always opportunities to introduce new delicious heirlooms.、Um, for instance, there's this Hungarian heart、um, marmon type、uh, ox heart tomato that we were able to introduce this year because it just tasted so phenomenal and performed the best out of similar tomatoes in its class. Oh wow!、Um, and I, I know that obviously,、um, you know, some of the older varieties、uh, were dropped in, kind of in favor of new, newer hybrids and things like that. But you, but there was sometimes a good reason for、um, losing the the older ones, like maybe better virus protection in the the newer ones, or may, maybe they they were heavier producers.、Um, so does that、um, does that mean that the the heirlooms、um, maybe are more trouble to grow? Yeah, well, I, you know, I think the thing about heirlooms is、um, they're not going to have necessarily the adaptability across the nation that a hybrid would. So, for instance, if something's selected in、uh, the desert south, it's probably going to do best there and not necessarily perform as well in, say, you know, the northern east coast.、Um, whereas hybrids, since they are trialed over so many areas. Um, they can really benefit any home gardener,、uh, but there's a place for both. I have to say,、um, you know, again, the flavor of the heirlooms, the history of the heirlooms. It's it's fun to explore kind of where they came from, but the hybrids are going to be 
the more tried and true, like you said, the better disease resistance, which often results in a better yield. Yeah. And, you know, I think some of the, the heirlooms are particularly, um, you know, in the carrots and things like that, where you get all the different colors, mm-hmm. um, which really make makes them um interesting to to grow and and presentation wise on a on a plate or something like that or in salads that that extra color is always important yeah yeah absolutely and and we're working on that in hybrids too um but you know like like you were saying with the heirlooms they're out there already you know and you have things like the um uh, big rainbow tomato or Mr. Stripey, you know, all of these colors that are just so beautiful to go on the plate, go in cooking. They're an interesting talking point. Often wrangle up kids to eat their vegetables faster. Yeah, and and di- dietitians always tell us the more color you know you get on a plate, <laughs> the best, the, the more nutrients are are in it. Um, but another trend in in recent years um, are the grafted vegetables. Um, and I know you have um, grafted tomatoes. Um, are customers a little confused as to what a grafted plant is and why they should buy them? You know, I think that, uh, so we've, we're going on our fourth year of offering grafted tomatoes. And if this were year one, I definitely would have answered yes. But I think in the past three years now, um, customers are really starting to embrace the whole grafted idea. You know, we've worked really hard to put some uh, content on our website so that you can understand what a grafted tomato is. And I think people are really excited now about the prospect of having you know, your heirloom flavor with the hybrid vigor, hybrid yield, and hybrid disease resistance. And, and so this is predominantly with the tomato line, um, and particularly the, the heirlooms. And I, I know I've grown a couple, and they, they really do make um, a big difference uh, to the, the yield, I think. And I found that they, they managed to be a little more cool tolerant, um, which, you know, make, makes obviously if you've got lots of fo- foliage, it helps right. protect the planter overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And are there going to be um, other varieties besides uh, grafted tomatoes that you're testing out right now that might be introduced in the next few years? Yeah. I mean, you know, having this trial farm that we do and and horticulturalists on staff like we do, we're always trialing, you know, to see what the next thing is going to be. So we're excited. We definitely are not stopping uh, with just the varieties that are available this year. And, um, you know, we'll have to see what comes out in the future. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I I think it's really exciting, all these new varieties. Um, And obviously, in the next couple of segments, we're going to be talking about some of the new ones. But um, when it comes to new varieties, um, shall we be clear, these aren't necessarily, there's a mix of of new to the industry and new to your catalogue, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, and new to the industry, something that that we've developed from our breeding program, we mark with a burpee exclusive under it, which is generally, um, you know, marked with a little bullet underneath the main varietal name, um, whereas things that don't have that might just be new to us. And I think I noticed that with um, the lemongrass, which um, is one of the new ones that you're offering under the herb selection in uh, the, the culinary ca- catalogue. Um, and that's kind of one of my favourites because, you know, lem- lemongrass can go, go into so many different, uh, uh, particularly Asian dishes, um, a great plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love lemongrass too. It's amazing how, 
I mean, it grows to four feet in one season. So you have this beautiful kind of musical natural hedge that's also edible <laughs> yes so it's much better <laughs> and, and of course it's not to- totally hardy in in the north but i found it really easy to keep it over the winter as well so you can plant it out and it always amazes me that a little four four inch container of lemongrass will become a major feature in the garden in just a few months it's great <laughs> right absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah and of course you you also do some fruits and things which really don't don't start too much um, on the the website, um, but you you do a few fruits as well, right? We do, yeah. Um, you know, we have a, a pretty diverse selection of uh, blueberries and raspberries that you know fit everything from a small container garden to. Um, you know, larger kind of standard home gardens. But we've also kind of gotten into some really fun things this year, like goji berry is on up on the website now. We have currants on the website. So it's it, there's things for new fruit gardeners and then things for kind of um, established or adventurous fruit gardeners. Uh, yeah, and I think fruit, fruit um, you know, is, is, is an important part, obviously, of a, of a diet. So it's great that you're kind of introducing some more. But, you know, we need to go for our first commercial break here but we will be back talking more with burpees chelsea fields and when we come back we're going to talk about some of the new vegetables specifically that are in the uh in the new catalogs uh, and america's homegrown veggies we'll be back in just a moment this is michael gano with insight to israel every day the israeli defense force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of islam surrounded by enemies from within and without they fight for the only jewish state Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Ganeau. Thank you, God bless Patriot conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. Quick stakes. That's Q-U-I-K steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick steaks, Q-U-I-K steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. Remember, you can catch up with us on Facebook at America's Homegrown Veggies. And if you miss any shows, you can find them on americas.com web pages. And you can also find them on iTunes and Stitchers. This morning, we are talking with Chelsea Fields, the Burpee Vegetable Production Manager over there in eastern Pennsylvania. Um, And Chelsea, you grow all these varieties and taste the fruits from them. Um, so how 
how many varieties do not make the cut in any specific year that you think, darn it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, you know, to come up with the, you know, call it 30 or 40 varieties that are new every year, I have to trial five times that amount every single season. So there's, you know, a couple hundred that don't make the cut. And just because they don't make the cut for this season doesn't mean they're done, but maybe they get retrialed a following year or a third year, and and then they get bumped up. But most of these that you're seeing, I've been looking at them for two or three years already also. So so mo- most of them you, you grow out for a couple of years to make sure that they're, they're stable and, and well productive, right? That's right, yeah, because you can never kind of guess what season you're going to have year to year. So if it's hot and dry one season and really rainy another season, that's almost the ideal trial trial uh, cycle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, well, let's start maybe with the, the cool veg- veggies that are offered this year. Um, and the one that fascinates me that I've already ordered, and I haven't actually put it in the ground yet because we're covered in snow, and that's the Masterpiece Pea. Um, And from the images, it doesn't look like it has normal pea leaves, kind of the round leaves. They seem more more fancy than that. Um, Is that true? (laughs) It is true, and they actually have a a special name. They're called Aphila leaves, so it's A-F-I-L-A, which means basically they're really curly, twirly leaves. Um, which the growing benefit is they're self-supporting. So they are really dense and thick, and you don't need, you know, a huge trellis to have them grow upright. But additionally, they're super tasty. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they they, they look like they'd work kind of well in in containers and things like that. Um, But are they as productive? Because obviously without the normal leaf size, it doesn't do the photosynthesis quite as as well. And it's usually planted. Peas are usually a a cool early season plant. These are really productive. And um, it's from the picture, it looks like the whole thing might be that curly leaf, but it's actually more just the last five inches of every branch. So from that five inches down to the main stem is all regular leaves then. So you're getting that, that kind of same photosynthetic material. But the best part is when these are young in the first month or so, you can snip off those little curly parts and throw them in a salad, eat them raw, do a really quick saute, and you still get that strong, bright green pea flavor. Oh, nice. Um, and, and it's touted as being good for containers. So does that mean that maybe it, the vines trail over the outside of the container, or, or is it more of an upright one? Um, so this one is more upright, but it, it can stay um, – it, it still pushes the peas out over the side of the container so that they're – easy to harvest. You're not going to have this big mound necessarily that's spilling all over itself. It'll stay kind of um, nice and branching. And and as with normal peas, the, the more you pick, the more it produces, right? Yes, absolutely. And I did a couple trials with this one um, at our farm just to see uh, early in the season when the tendrils were at their tenderest, I kind of mowed them down just to see if it would affect the pea set later in the season. And it was so minimal, it was barely even worth mentioning. So you can really kind of cut these plants down when they're about 
12 inches tall to about 6 inches tall and use that as an early spring green, and then they'll recover past that, and you'll still have your peas to harvest. Oh, wow. That that's, that sounds a great, great thing to do with it. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I would never have thought about doing that. Um, and a, another pea that I, I re- really quite like the look of is the um, the purple one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just purple on the, the – the pod is purple, but the peas inside are green. Is that right? That's right, yeah. And it also has this beautiful lilac purple um, flower on the on the stems itself. And and these are are supposed to be um, you you've um, you kind of you shock them in the usual way, so they're not not used uh, the pod itself when they're immature. Can you use that as kind of a snoopy, or would it be too tough for that? Yeah, I did find it to be a bit fibrous to use when it was young, um, so I really stuck more to the shelling for it. But they're great shelling peas. I mean. Super sweet, nice and tender, and they're just so aesthetic in the garden when you do um, run them up a trellis. Oh, yes, I, I would imagine so. And you say that the, the flowers and the pods are both purple, is that right? Exactly, yeah. The flowers are um, a deep purple and then fading to kind of a white center heart. Okay. Um, and at the other end of the color spectrum is the pale yellow snow pea called Golden Sweet. That's an, an heirloom. Um, how does that do in the garden? That one's a snow pea, right? That's right, yes. And again, I mean, again, beautifully aesthetic. It's actually on the taller side, um, which you see with a lot of the heirloom peas. It, it can get up to six foot tall. So, you know, if you happen to have a shorter trellis, it'll just trail down the other side of it. It's no issue at all. But you could almost make um, an arcing trellis or it's beautiful for walkways if you decide to uh, grow it in that in that way. And I would imagine that, that on the pod that, that would um, re- really be quite attractive, um, particularly if you mixed it maybe with the purple one going up the same trellis or something. Yes, absolutely. I agree 100%. And if you wanted to get really, you know, out there, you could also put the masterpiece in there, and then you'd be adding texture, too. (laughs) (laughs) Grow all your peas in one patch. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And you also have um, a couple of new potatoes on the list. And potatoes, uh, traditionally, I've always told, should be planted on March 1st. Well, the, ra- the way this winter's going, I don't think there's much chance of that. But, uh, but they are early, an early planting one. Um, and you've got Red Luna and Midnight Moon. Are they both heirloom varieties? No, they're not. They're actually um, new developments for, this, for the uh, release this year. So the good thing with that is they often get um, less potato scab, which a lot of our home gardeners see. Uh, when you get that kind of scaly, uh, rough patches on your potatoes, these are much less prone to that. Okay, and and the red luna has got a red skin and a white interior. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's um, the ruby is really nice against that right. Uh, excuse me, against the skin, but this the. Um, Internal flesh is a little bit golden, actually. Oh, nice. Um, and a, a nice, colorful one. Um, and, I, you know, sometimes I've wondered about maybe the practicality of getting uh, seed potatoes from a catalog because they're heavy to ship. Um, so how many um, tubers do you get in an average order? And does each tuber just produce one plant? Right. Well, so um, th- these are a little bit different than seed potatoes because the tubers themselves are actually almost like a light bundle to ship. 
um, whereas the seed potatoes are your heavier sort of uh, root, I think, that, that you might have in mind. The tubers come about, um, well, it depends on each variety, but it can be anywhere from 15 to 25 a bag. And and they, and then you 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 chop them into smaller pieces, or, or with the tubers, do you just get one per um, one per plant? Exactly, one per plant, and you're ready to go. Oh, okay. So so you and that that again would be easier for new new gardeners and for containers uh, because you don't have to worry about you know whether you've got an eye on each piece and chitting them and letting them um, stand for a couple of days or whatever it is to dry out. Um, right, exactly. And if you get any you know little funguses in there or anything like that, you're, they're not going to be as exposed as if you had you know cut your uh, seed potatoes. Yeah, um, and and what about Maybe early ones like the lettuce and the mesclum offerings. What's new in that line? Um, so we have a beautiful new uh, ruby lettuce, uh, romaine type, and it's upright and heading and ruby all the way down to the heart, nice thick leaves, a really beautiful color. Um, so that's exciting this year. And then I would say a kale mix, too. I have a mix of four different uh, textures of kale that can just be sewn out of one packet and then they kind of all come up um, together as one. Oh, um, and, and that, that re- really would, uh, you know, if you, I, I think the kales particularly, um, and are they all the same kind of size and, and you could harvest them just as a colorful mix and cook them all together? Mm-hmm. Well, so there is one dwarf in there. It's the dwarf blue kale. But um, it'll be ready about the same time as the other varieties. So to answer, you know, you can just kind of cut them all down in one swoop and then have a nice mix all ready to go at one time. And and so that mixes the, the blue kales with the regular green kales and the red kales, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also um, the kind of lacinato, um, you know, uh, thick-leafed, lightly serrated kale. And, and what about other early ve- veggies um, that maybe for smaller gardens and containers? Um, are, are there some of those that you could use in that? Sure, yeah. We have, um, to go along with that, well, we have some onions that are new to the catalog this year. Uh, the cipollini type, which are kind of the squat, flattened onions. That They're really beautiful um, for just making big, uh, consistent slices with. And they'd be fine for containers of the garden. We also have a Moulin Rouge, which is a beautiful beet that we have this year that doesn't get a lot of that um, thick zoning in it, you know, if the temperatures do kind of warm and catch you off guard. And Um, and – and so both both of those would be good for containers and think people maybe in small properties? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I've done a lot of work with containers um, just over the past couple of years because I don't think it's any secret, you know, that um, everyone's looking for things that you can grow in a smaller situation. And, um, you know, I'm finding that even with these root crops, they're more than fine in a container, you know, as long as you have a little depth to it, of course. Um, but something like a, a low four-inch deep saucer, could even work for beets. Oh, wow. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that. And, you know, even if you've got a, a full vegetable garden outside, I think some in containers that are near to the house, mm-hmm. so you can pull them in if, the, if you know, you do get that uh, 
ridiculously vortex coming down from the polar regions all of a sudden again. <laughs> right. exactly. And, and there's just something nice about, you know, after finishing up a long day, just being able to step onto the porch and harvest maybe as opposed to walking. Even if it's another few yards, sometimes when you're just done, you're done at night, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, and, and I, I think you can maybe you you can kind of catch them just that li- little bit earlier, and and I think it, you can start them that bit earlier. But uh, but you know we need to take another quick commercial break here. But I want to remind you that you're listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show, and we'll be back with more from Chelsea Fields, the Vegetable Production Manager from Burpee. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the heat-loving plants and what's new in that line. We will be right back. Membership. Are you an IHC member? Access to the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's breaking news, industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, annual publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook, a free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. This is Cheryl Linker, host of the Master Gardener Hour on America's Web Radio, Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. Join us as we keep things fun and interesting as we educate you in the world of master gardening. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You're back listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I am the host of the show, Kate Copsey, and this morning we are talking with Chelsea Fields, the Vegetable Production Manager at the farm in for Burpee in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, and Chelsea, we talked about the cool weather varieties, so let's talk to the guys of summer um, that everybody loves, particularly tomatoes and peppers. Um, are tomatoes still the most common vegetable that people start with? They are. I mean, I think, you know, there's something about harvesting a tomato from your home garden that, or from a neighbor's garden even, that once you do it and once you taste it, I think it's very hard to go back to uh, store-bought tomatoes. Yeah. Um, but obviously there, there are so many varieties out there um, that it, it, particularly for a beginner, um, to, it becomes tough to choose which one to actually grow. So what should people look for, um, and particularly in the new varieties, how, does the, how do the new ones differ from maybe the pr- prior year's offerings? Well, the one that we have this year, the Steakhouse Tomato, is the biggest tomato in our offering. 
So that's its main difference. It's a whopping three pounder, <laughs> uh, which is amazing for slicing. You could make five sandwiches off of one fruit. <laughs> <laughs> and and how long does that one take to mature? So it's actually your kind of standard for a slicing tomato, which is about seventy-five to eighty days after transplanting. And and, and with it, and with it being big, is it very juicy, or or is it more of a has more flesh on it, or something? Um, it's absolutely very juicy. Um, the skin isn't particularly thick, but it has a lot of meat inside and a really small core. So you have a lot to work with when you're slicing it up. And, you know, I, I, the one that's on the co- cover of the catalog, it show, shows somebody with two hands. And this thing looks in, <laughs> looks like a, a small soccer ball or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I would imagine you only need one slice with a man burger. <laughs> Um, yeah um and other obviously peppers are the other one that people tend to start with um what is it just for heat that people like peppers um and does does it sometimes uh, maybe detract from the taste of a pepper when it becomes very hot um you know i think it's about selecting the right peppers um when you're talking hot peppers uh the best way to actually get some of its true flavor I found is to work from the bottom of the pepper up before you get to that seed core because where you get to the seeds is where you get to the heat. So if you're really trying to find, um, you know, say a flavorful habanero, just take a little bit off the bottom and see if you can get those fruity, smoky essences through. Um, But if you don't want any heat, of course, there's sweet peppers out there like the Thunderbolt hybrid pepper that we have this year that's a whopping 13-inch Marconi, which is awesome for grilling um, or fresh eating. And that that would go well with the big tomato, wouldn't right, it? Right, absolutely. <laughs> and, <laughs> Just need a big plate. <laughs> yeah, and, and I noticed that in the um, the hot pepper line, um, there's a Diab- Diablito yeah. and a, a Cayenne. The Cayenne are the very thin ones. Um, do they start green and then increase the heat as they get into the red zone? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And for me, the cayennes, I really love to dry them. Um, If you ever have made ristras before where you kind of string them down um, with a thread and needle, and then you can hang them in the kitchen. And they're so fun for just throwing in um, dishes that you're cooking because you have fresh dried pepper. And and the the other one is more more of a, a square shape. Uh, and so so is is that that one one that you'd use in the same way as it the Diablito? Uh, well, the Diablito is that kind of conical one, the the thicker at the top, and whereas the Dragon Cayenne is the the tie one that you might dry, and the Diablito I I would use it for either fresh eating or for cooking, and it can also be dried down, uh, but it has a much thicker wall to the fruit than your cayennes do so that's why it makes really beautiful pepper rings and it's good for dicing up if, if you do decide to cook it and and so the, the those are the only two two new peppers that you're offering this year um those are the only two new ones in cooks but in the burpee catalog um, we have the thunderbolt pepper which is that giant 13 inch marconi oh okay um so that so you have to go to a different catalog for that one that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's new. It's about, yeah, kind of going back to the cooking uses versus our, you know, fresh eating uses. Yeah. Um, and and I noticed that you've got um, an artichoke in there as well. Um, 
what is how do you grow an artichoke and and do you have to fell the whole plant down um to get the bottom of it so typically in the past artichokes have been sold as roots that you would buy and sometimes i think that can be a little daunting to figure out how to plant so we came out with artichoke plants this year which you would get in a nice um container that's well-rooted, and you would just plant it like you would a tomato plant or a pepper plant. And these plants grow really large. I mean, I think it's about, um, you know, three feet wide. And they're beautiful. They almost look tropical in the garden. But the part that you eat is actually the flower bud that that the artichoke plant sends up. And that happens in midsummer. And you just uh, can harvest the bud about four inches below, so harvest some of that stem with it, and that's where you're going to find the heart meat and the petals that are so commonly served um, in dining areas. Oh, okay. Um, And that doesn't kill the plant, then it just goes on um, to flower normally if, uh, if you choose to, right? Yes, exactly. And artichoke flowers are so beautiful if yeah. you do let them go uh, without eating them. And are they perennial or annual plants? They're generally perennial. Um, once you get up above zone uh, five, call it, they start to be marginal perennials because we do get such deep freezes that sometimes you'll lose the crop and um, replant for the next year. And so, so the, the top growth um, is, is felled by, by winter and then it just sprouts up the next year. Is that right? That's right, yeah. And you'll have, you'll have a little crown last year to year. Um, but, uh, you know, generally it just kind of pushes through all that, like a lot of your hardy perennials do, and you get a, a fresh growth every year. Okay. Um, and another one that, um, that I looked at, which was what a, a pumpkin called a porcelain doll. Um, mm-hmm. That looks a, an awfully big pumpkin. Um, and so how long does that one take to mature? So that's kind of in your um, standard pumpkin range. Pumpkins are usually 100 to 120 days from planting in the garden, and this is 110, so it falls right in the center of that. Uh, But the best part about this variety, I have to say, is uh, a percentage of all the proceeds go to the Pink Pumpkin Patch Foundation, which um, is a foundation that goes towards breast cancer research. Oh, wow. Um, so, so, and that's when you buy, buy the seeds, a portion of that would go to that, uh, that foundation. Mm-hmm, that's exactly right. And is that the only one that you offer that, uh, that qualifies for, for that um, to, to be donated? It is. It's actually an interesting backstory. It's, it's history's up online, but um, the breeder who who found this pink pumpkin in his patch, his mother was battling breast cancer at the time, and he just knew that this would be a way to, you know, go towards that foundation, and um, he started the foundation along with some of his other family members so that they could donate towards breast cancer research. Oh, very nice. Yes, um, and and that's always always going to be a popular thing. I think when when you when you've got a cause that some of the money goes to with any plant um, around, uh, it, I think it helps it. Um, and and with with all these um, hot weather things, they all manage. You have to start them indoors. Most of us would that be right? And you plant them out after the first frost, right? Right. So um, for definitely for your tomatoes and peppers and eggplants, you want to do that. But things that 
have typically large seeds like pumpkins and squash and cucumbers, you can plant directly in the ground once the season gets going. Okay. Um, and uh, I noticed as well in the herb line that you've got a basil in there. Mm-hmm. Um, what is special about the basil? Because usually those are pretty productive. Right. Well, so this basil is super unique. Um, you know, if you've grown basil, you know that one of the biggest issues is battling the flowering uh-huh. because once basils go to flower, then they start to decline and they aren't as productive and you don't get as much to harvest. This basil, which is called BAM basil, does not flower. Oh, not at all? <laughs> not at all. Um, last summer, I grew it against Genovese and sweet basil and a Thai basil just so I could kind of mark how many harvests they had against one another. And I was up to five to seven for each of the ones I just mentioned and zero for BAM. Oh, wow. That, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> and so, so you can harvest that one all, all summer long. Um, and the, the other one, last year, um, the on deck sweet corn was um, one of the, one of the, the new ones. And th- this year you've got a, an, a maize hybrid. Um, is that another one that can go in a container or is the on deck still the only one for the container? Yeah, on deck is still the only one for the container. And, uh, you know, a lot of people will know if you tried to order last year, we sold out fairly early in the year. Oh. So we have more seed of that in now and it's available um, hopefully until the end of the year. And it's just... It's been getting a lot of good mention for uh, the container use. Yeah, and, and actually that was the first time in many years I'd actually tried sweet corn, and I got it in a little patch, not in a container, but it's okay. the first time that I actually got um, sweet corn up to, to producing its, its heads. And, oh, that's uh, excellent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you, usually when I put it in, you know, the grass comes up at the same time, um, and, and so, you know, it gets confusing as to which one's the, the sweet corn and which one's the grass. Um, but but putting it in a, in a small patch because this one doesn't need that four by four um, square, right? right? Right, exactly. Yeah, you can put um, you know a lot of uh, seed closer together, and it still pollinates really well, and you you know get a harvest without all that extra space that that you were saying that you usually need. Okay, um, but but the amazed one is more of a traditional corn, right? Yes, it is. Um, it's a traditional eating corn, and it's been got, getting a lot of good results. Um, it's actually available in the grocery store, and we've worked with this company to be able to offer it to home gardeners, and it's one of the best eating corns that people are finding in the grocery stores right now. So you're kind of being able to grow what you can buy. And so how big are the um, are the pods on, on that, that one? It's a traditional um, size one? It is. It's traditional, um, you know, seven to eight inch ears, um, almost six foot tall plants, and uh, just a nice, clean, very sweet white corn. I might give those a try again this year um, and try to see if, I, see if I can graduate from the container <laughs> one to, to a real corn. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, we, we need to take our final commercial break here. Um, but come back, everyone, and listen to more about where to find all, all these wonderful new offerings from Burpee. And we will be back after these messages. Quick stakes. 
That's Q-U-I-K Steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quicksteak.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Steaks, Q-U-I-K Steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. I hope you're enjoying America's homegrown veggie show this morning. We have been talking with Chelsea Fields, the vegetable production manager for Burpee in eastern Pennsylvania. Um, and, and most people can find all these offerings at burpee.com. Is that right? That's right. Mm-hmm. And how about the Cook's Garden? Yeah, the Cook's Garden actually has its own site, which is cooksgarden.com. Okay, um, and so so there's a little bit of a overlap between the two of them. But how do how do people know what's in new in the catalog or on the site? Um, so when you go to either site, you're going to see the main picture there that says "new for 2014." And if you click on that picture on either site, it'll take you into what's brand new for the year. And that that will include the flowers as well as the vegetables, right? Yes, and fruits also. Oh, okay. Um, and one one of the ones that I, I'm determined to to try um, this year is that uh, Miss Mars sunflower. Because I mean, we all know that veggies need need pollinators, and I love sunflowers. And that that one just looks wonderful. How big does it get? So Miss Mars is about thirty inches tall, and absolutely beautiful because it has purple stems, and the leaves have purple venation. Ooh that yeah to go along with those beautiful ray petals yeah i would imagine that 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 would be a great cutting flower as much as anything else really nice in the house and i noticed also this this year um the on deck uh sweet corn which i think is is obviously a very popular one um and and are container plants um specifically still very popular yeah absolutely i mean container and i use that interchangeably with small space because i think even if you just have a smaller raised bed that um they're kind of the same plants that you use in them they're just getting more and more popular um you know people want to be able to have a nice clean looking garden without um sacrificing necessarily on flavor or yield and and if you put um if you search just on container it would bring all those varieties up at one time right Yes, and we're actually working on the site to add a new tab on the homepage that is specifically for container varieties. Oh, oh, that that would be handy. Um, yeah, that should be with within the 
uh, by the end of the month, we should have that up and ready to go. Okay. Um, and so, so what else is new on the on the website? Uh, well, the Burpee website has so much, um, so many great tools for the home gardener. One feature we have: you can personalize the site by putting your zip code in. It's on the left-hand side of the page, and that will give you suggestions on what you can be doing and when, based on what zone you live in. So it's planting, transplanting, um, and what crops are best for for either one. And does it also stop you ordering something that might be um, banned from being imported to your particular state? Uh, we have restrictions, yeah, for varieties on everything that we sell. So um, it'll send you a flag once you go through the ordering process that it might not um, be acceptable to send into your state. And, and what, what about um, the, the, the apps and things like that? Um, I know you have um, a vegetable app. Uh, how does that work? We do. So we have the, the app is really interesting because once you download it to your phone, you can get push notifications letting you know what you should be doing and when. So maybe, you know, it's time to plant your cover crop. Maybe it's, um, you know, seven weeks after you planted your tomato and you should be looking at fertilizing them now. So it's a lot of great, handy, timely reminders for what you should be doing in the garden. Oh, great. And how, how do you get, get that app? You just go, go to your app store and, and put in Burpee and it, and it will appear? That's right. Or you could also go to burpee.com and on the left-hand side of the page towards the bottom, it's called Garden Time Planner, and there's a link there that'll um, give you some more details on downloading the app. Okay. And and what, what about um, ordering um, the seeds and the plants? Most of the seeds are available now um, before planting? That's right, yeah. Um, all the seeds would come to you, um, you know, with, within a couple weeks of ordering. And then we also have a schedule of when your plants would be sent out because we like to send them out the best time for your zone. Um, so you can find that either in the center of the catalog, there's a map there, or again at burpee.com, we do have an ordering map available to let you know when your tomato plants or onion plants or potato plants would ship out to you. And do you have to make a, a separate order for that, or can you put seeds and plants in all at the same time? Right, yep, you can put them all, all in at the same time, and then we will send you uh, or we will give you a notification of when your things will start to ship. Okay, um, and what, what about the, the fruit um, and, and the little bushes, the blueberries and things like that? Um, can, they, can they be ordered in the dormant stage, or do you wait until, uh, do we have to wait for those as well? Um, it's, it's a little bit of a mix between them. Um, like, for instance, perennial grasses you might get in a dormant state, and we have this nice little sticker on that says that they're dormant, so they don't just look like brown pots when you get them. But then there's things that um, we do like to push a little bit more foliage on because it, it is a better service to the home gardener to have them out of dormancy. So it's a little bit of a mix, but you can always check in with our customer service department, and we'll be able to give you updates by variety on just exactly what you're getting. And, and your customer service department is manned by real human beings that know what they're talking about, right? <laughs> Absolutely. They're just down the hall. Um, we have a bunch of horticulturalists on staff, uh, myself and the other product manager. We're always on call to the customer service department. So it's uh, it, it really is a bunch of 
well-versed live human beings. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I know also on the site you um, there's a lot of um, there are a lot of articles on, on different things, um, but there's also some video. Um, are there any, any new videos? I know there's the seed start in video. Um, what's new in that that side? That's right. So we try and add every year that we can to our videos. There's about 80 to date that can be found on our website. And um, like you mentioned, there's everything from seed starting to we have um, short videos right now of our top new products. So Steakhouse is on there, On Deck is on there. You can see a little bit of um, additional information on them. And then just all t- sorts of planting tips, you know, what it takes to get garlic in the ground or how's best to plant your bean seeds. So there's a lot of helpful information on there. And and what are there any blogs or anything like that that people can, can look at to find out what's going on uh, within the company? Sure. Well, we have our Burpee Facebook page, and we're super active on there. There's um, a few posts every day, plus we use it to answer customer inquiries that come in and um, just do, you know, general. Right now we're running a sweepstakes on there. Uh, there's coupon offers on there, so it's great to be part of our Burpee Facebook. Oh, and and that that so if if people so if somebody is on Facebook, they just put Burpee in there, and it would come up with your Facebook. Yeah, and um, or look for Burpee Gardens because there's also a bunch of Burpee exercise pages on there, oh. Oh. <laughs> which isn't going to help you with gardening. So Burpee Gardens. Oh, okay. Um, and so, so they wouldn't get confused as to which one is is which. Um, yeah. Um, and and so I, I guess um, you know, do you, do you do any any talks out in the community? Um, you know, to help people understand gardening, or does anybody from your company do that sort of outreach? Yeah, I, I do, um, as well as a few of our other horticulturalists. Uh, generally, they're probably a bit more localized because of travel schedule and that sort of a thing. But, um, you know, there's the Delaware Valley College, which is very close to us. That's an agricultural school. Um, I'm doing a gardener symposium at the end of March in Lancaster. But um, more so than that, you know, we're just, like I said, always available on Facebook um, and, you know, through our customer service site. So we're never out of touch, even if we're not necessarily in the area. And, and is, it, is the, uh, the facility there, um, is it ever open for, for tours so people can come and see the actual um, things growing in the ground? Mm-hmm. So uh, our, our farm, we generally have two to three opens every year, and they're open to the public, and we have specialized talks during those events and tours of the gardens as well. Um, we don't have the dates set yet this year, but once we do, we'll have them up on burpee.com, on burpee Facebook, and then, again, available um, if you just want to call in and find out. And th- those are typically in summer, or would they be in fall, typically? Uh, we have a – generally, we have a spring one and then one or two, like July and August. Okay, um, and and you've got the new ones there, as so people can actually see all these new things grow, growing, um, mature type. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And then um, it's not open to walk through, but you can kind of walk by them and check it out. You can see where we're trialing everything for the next few years too. Oh wow! So so you allow people to see what's growing for next year um, in the catalog. And I, I know I, I saw you got one of those little uh, when I was over there. You got one of those little um, shape things um so so you can get heart-shaped tomatoes or something oh. like that <laughs> yes yes the vegetable molds those are great fun there's hearts and stars <laughs> 
and and are, are they were they successful? I mean, uh, are, are they available on the website too? Yeah, they're available on the website, and they're phenomenal. The pictures that you see on our website are from our farm. So we try them out, and it's just fun. Um, you know, again, kids' lunches, it's, that's pretty exciting. You can just uh, look in the search bar for molds, uh, M-O-L-D-S. But they're really fun for kids' lunchboxes. Um, I've heard of people slipping a few of the, you know, shaped cucumbers in a cocktail maybe, you know, or an iced tea or a lemonade, something like that. And uh, it's just a way to have fun with your vegetables. And, and and they come with instructions as to how to what sort of vegetable is is best adapted to this way. That's right. That's right. Yeah, instructions on just exactly how to place them on the plant, and then um, some suggestions on which veggies you might want to stick with. And, and we should also say that you do um, seed starting supplies as well as the actual seeds and plants, right? That's right. Yeah, we have, we have a phenomenal seed starting kit. Um, it's called the Ultimate Growing System, and the best part about this is it has a trough that you add water to with a wicking mat that goes on top, and it's a barrier between the water and your seedlings with the soil in the bottom of the tray, and the wicking mat acts to water from the bottom each cell as it dries out. So you're never over watering or under watering as long as you're keeping water in that trough. <laughs> oh, that, that sounds great because that, that kills most of the, the, the little, little seedlings. But you know, we're, we're pretty much at the end of the show, Chelsea. Um, as always, it was delightful to chat with you and hear about the new varieties. Um, there's some great ones this year. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I had a great time talking with you and, um, you know, th- I'm just hoping everyone visits the site and uh, checks out burpee.com. So thanks oh. for having me, Kate. Okay. Well, we're right at the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening to America's Homegrown Veggies. Uh, thank, thank you, Chelsea. We've been, had great fun this morning. We'll be back next week with another show talking all about growing veggies. Have a good gardening week, everyone, and join me back here next Saturday.